to Affirming Truths. I'm your friend and host, Carla Arges. This show is a safe place to share our struggles, grow in faith, and root our identity in Christ. My hope is that you will leave each episode feeling encouraged in your journey. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode, and it would mean the world to me if you would leave a review. I am so glad you're here. Let's get started. Where they were. Hello, friends. Welcome to this edition of Affirming Truths. It is your Thursday bonus episode, and I'm really excited to be talking with author Beth Guckenberger. And I did have to practice that, and I hope I said it right. <laughs> you did great. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you so much for being here. Um, when I heard about your book, Warrior of Eden, how curiosity and questions lead to understanding God's call for women, I will say I was intrigued and <laughs> I needed to knew, know more. And especially the idea of warrior. Now, before we dive in, why don't you just introduce yourself and then and then I really want to get into this conversation. <laughs> okay, for sure. Well, uh, yeah, my name is Beth Guggenberger and um, I've been married almost 30 years. So this dance between, you know, men and women and what does that look like, which is the heartbeat of this discussion. What is God? What is God's role for women? And what does that look like? Um, I've been having that dance for a long time. We have a large family, uh, 11 children, seven of those are women. So I started to really want to have good words and language and biblical understanding and worldviews around what, what role do women play in the kingdom? And what do I want my daughters to understand about what God has for them? Uh, we founded an, an orphan care organization uh, 26 years ago. And today that organization is all over the world. And I that's my full-time job. So we lived out of the country 15 years. I've watched the church wrestle with this in lots of different cultural settings. And so um, I, I, I love my Bible more than I love anything. And I, I just wanted to sit down and see what it is that God said in his word about what it is he has for all of us. I love that. And in his word, and I love that you go to the original language because I'm always, um, I'm I'm always wanting to know that context and that mm -hmm. deeper meaning. And when we're looking at the introduction of Eve into the Garden of Eden, we're often um, described in our translations or in conversations that she comes to be a helper mm -hmm. to Adam um, and, and never intended to be less than, but just with different complementary skills to help mm -hmm. him. But in your discovery of that um, original language, was it Hebrew? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ezer. Ezer. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Ezer, what you learned in that original word for helper and what it means? Yeah, I've I've studied been studying Hebrew just not as an academic, just as someone who loves her Bible for almost 15 years now, I love to, I always say Hebrew words are like doorknobs and they take us into new rooms of understanding. And mm -hmm. if we don't remember how to say them and we don't remember, you know, uh, how to spell them, there's no vocabulary test to get in heaven. They just typically, uh, not always, but typically Hebrew words are like word pictures. And those word pictures help us build uh, an idea to put something abstract and 
complicated into terms that our finite minds can understand. Like, for example, if I asked someone on the Western side of the world, hey, what do you like? Tell me who's God? They might use words like, well, he's sovereign and he's omnipotent. And they would use words that we that we use to describe God. But if you ask someone with a Hebraic mindset and you say, tell us who God is, he would say, or she would say, God is a rock or God is living water or God is a shade. Like they're, they're pictures in your mind. And so I like to study Hebrew just because I like to get those pictures in my mind. I feel like they help me understand my Bible better. So one day I was hiking in Israel and I was asking someone who's taught me lots of words before, like, come on, coach, teach me another one. And they said, okay, I've got one for you. Uh, Genesis chapter two, it's not good for man to be alone. So God created a, and I filled in the word helper, helper suitable. And the, and the guide said, well, yep, that's right. That's what your English Bible say. We see that original word 21 times in our old Testament. And in every other case, it's used in a military context. It, it represents help someone can't provide for themselves. It's this idea that someone's coming in at the battle at the end on a white horse and saving the day. It's, it's better described like, like a warrior than it is a helper. And I just remember it, it, it wasn't like in that moment, oh, I understand everything now. That makes perfect sense. It just was like a study prompt for me. It became a, a like point of curiosity. And I think really for your listeners or for any readers, that's what I want. I'm, I think good teaching leaves us with better questions than it does give us answers. I'm not trying to give anybody my answers and say, hey, trust me, believe me. I hope that what it does is stir in people curiosity and questions that cause them to go look it up for themselves, go talk to the, to God about it themselves, go listen to the Holy spirit, convict and encourage and empower them themselves. And, um, so that was the, that was the start of the discussion between first God and I, and then my husband and I, and then my good friends and I, and then my pastor and I, and then my, all my study tools and I, and eventually I tried to wrap up all of those conversations and learnings in the work that's called warrior of Eden. Wow. So when I think of warrior, I think of strong and powerful and conquering and um, just disciplined and all of these things. And yet, when I think about the Proverbs 31 woman, I think of industrious and virtuous and sacrificial how does this idea of the warrior of Eden fit or complement the idea of the Proverbs 31 woman? Because we know scripture doesn't contradict itself. How, how, how do we hold both of those things together? Yeah, that's a great question. When I first started to just think about it, I was putting some stuff out on my social media platforms like, like, does help make you feel like an assistant or what does warrior do to you? Like I was asking questions like that, just wanting to elicit some online conversation. And I was getting responses. Some women were saying, I don't, I don't want to be a warrior. That sounds exhausting. Like I'm already doing so much. Like, what do you mean I have to go fight to? But the comments that were starting to unlock some understanding in my mind was um, women who like not all warriors have to fight. Like some women are warriors they're prayer warriors and some women are fighting for their prodigal child or they're fighting for their marriage or they're fighting 
um, to have healthy friendships. Like, and, and I was like, then I was like, okay, okay. And the Proverbs 31 woman, I mean, I think most Christians, women have like a love hate relationship with that passage because it feels like a really high bar and yet an, an inspiration for us. I used to sometimes say jokingly, Proverbs 28 says the righteous are as bold as a lion, 28 one. And I used to say, I'd rather be a Proverbs 28 woman than a Proverbs 31 woman. But the truth is when I studied 31, I realized, my gosh, she has side hustles going on. She is, she is, she is active. She's in, she's contributing. And so all of that thinking and reading, because you're exactly right. Nothing, nothing will ever contradict itself in scripture. And I just kept wanting to build a, a world of understanding. So I looked at the next word after helper, and that's the word suitable. And again, Hebrew pictures are like Hebrew words, like word pictures and suitable. The, the picture that that word is to conjure up is like two planks being propped up against each other. That literally means corresponding like the North pole to the South pole. And so like, okay, then I, then, then my light bulbs were going off because I was like, we're still in Genesis chapter two. So the intelligent designer created a world where there were two corresponding people engaged in, in what it is that God was calling them to do in the, in the, in the assignment, for lack of a better word, we don't even have to call it a fight yet because there's no sin, you know, but just in the assignment, we have two corresponding engaged people. Now into Genesis chapter three, you have people eating apples and the fall coming and there's the consequences of the fall. Like, like it's going to hurt when we have babies and men are going to work by the sweat of their brow and men will rule over women. And today in 2023, we make sure women have epidural so it doesn't hurt in childbirth. And we use fertilizer and machines so that working in the land doesn't have to be always by the sweat of our brow. We've done all these things to mitigate the fall, except for this thing about men ruling over women. And I started to ask myself, why is the church, why are we working to uphold one of the consequences of the fall that puts this weird pressure on the neck of a gender of someone the intelligent design created to be engaged in corresponding. Like, why, why is that happening? And, you know, further study prompts took me into church history and all kinds of things we could spend our time talking about. Mm -hmm. But when I think about your listeners and I think about the, like, if this is all they ever do is hear this little bit about this, I think the questions to ask themselves is, you know, who can I correspond with? Can I only correspond against my Adam or can I correspond with my friends? Can I correspond with my other brothers in Christ? Can I correspond? What happens if I never get married? Do I not correspond with anybody? Can I still be a warrior? Like all of those questions. And so as I started to write Warrior of Eden, every every chapter is a question that I had a wondering about. And mm. I, again, my wonderings just kept leading me back to more study and more scripture and more conversations with friends. And I hope when someone closes it, they go, those are some things I hadn't thought about before. Those are conversations I might not have had otherwise. And here's some understanding I have that now I'll live a little differently by. I'm not trying to change anybody's mind or I'm not trying to disrupt anybody's marriage or church politics. I just want us to keep having conversations about why the first, I mean, if you think about the 2000 years since Christ, the first couple hundred years after 
Jesus died, the church exploded. And the church was modeling itself after the way Paul was building it, which he was planting churches in women's houses. He was giving women all kinds of ministry assignments. And then we got all organized and we pretty much benched half the team the following 1500 years. And it hasn't ever grown the same way since. So again, I think if I'm looking for an action step, I'm like, let's get half the team off the bench and make sure they understand that they have a role they can play in the kingdom. And what does that role look like? I mean, it depends how God's gifted you. It depends what he's called you to. It depends where you are in the world. It depends. And I kept trying to be careful because I would, I never would want a reader or one of your listeners to ever believe that I think he wants to use us more than he wants to love us. His chief concern is, is our worship to him and his love of us. It's not about what role I play or what assignment I have or what gifts I exercise. Those are just those are just extensions of worship with him. I don't need to be used by him to be loved by him. Mm. But he does invite me into this great big story where we're, you know, building the kingdom of heaven on earth and we're putting on display his ways. And I get to act as a kingdom of priests and all kinds of language in our Bible about what it looks like for me um, to bring heaven to earth and to put on display a countercultural way of living that should tell everyone I don't belong here. I belong somewhere else. Mm. And because this world is not his ways, it ends up looking like a fight. I have to fight to hold my tongue. I have to fight to take every thought captive. I have to fight to be sacrificial and to be generous. I have to fight to forgive other people. I have to fight to push back darkness. Like it, it, it does end up being a fight. And I think that's what the warrior of Eden can feel confident in that God has asked her to engage. Mm, I love that. Now, in the world's way of seeing women try to rise up and this feminist movement and women trying to claim equality, they're doing it in a lot of ways that is emasculating to men. Yes. Yes. And stripping men of their masculinity and wanting to make soft men mm-hmm. and, and and I don't mean soft men by being emotionally gentle or or no. in touch with their emotions I don't mean that but taking away their design mm-hmm. because men are designed differently how do we then as Christian women step into our role as warrior in a way that doesn't emasculate our men in a way that still honors them as the spiritual head of the household, which he is, how do we own that role in a way that is appropriate? I mean, that's a, those are really good questions. And I think that that's where we work out our faith with fear and trembling, right? I, I mean, at the beginning of the book, I kept writing, if my goal is to try to be first or top or right or recognized, this is fundamentally an unbiblical act because Jesus said himself, you know, Philippians chapter two, we're supposed to lay our life down and make ourselves nothing and and be a servant. And, and the Jesus way is the first will be last. And so this can't be a race to see who can be on top or who can be first, or it doesn't even, it's not even biblical. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I definitely don't think we need to be all that we are at the expense of men being all that they are. That's not mm-hmm. the design. Um, but I, I think I would argue that the more I am who God made me, 
the more I invite him to be more of who God made him. That me being more of how God made me should not make him less of who God made him. It should invite him into the more. And that that experience of us becoming, you know, becoming more like Christ every day that we try to be, we should be again. And that's a comment to just to married women. And I think that these promises are true for single women. These promises are true for young women, um, widowed women. But in the context of your question, which is specifically maybe to married women, um, the more that I can be the way God made me, the more I make room for him to be how God made him. He doesn't have to be like me because he can be like him. And and I, I spend a couple of chapters talking about what, what, you know, what that actually looks like. And there's only a little tiny section, like maybe three pages out of 300, where we talk about some of the terms that the church uses, like egalitarian and complementarian. And I, this is not a book about that. So I'm not trying to sway people on women in leadership in churches or like some of the other places this conversation has ended up becoming weaponized or political. I don't have any desire to be we- to weaponize this or to be political mm-hmm. or to insist on my own way. I just think the world is trying to tell women who we are and they have no idea because they don't have the book. Yeah. So we have the book. We should ask the intelligent designer, how did you make us? And how can we yeah. do more of it? I like how you said, it's not about being on top. This isn't a woman versus men conversation. Mm-mm. It is God. How can I step fully into the identity that you've given me? How can I live fully in the personhood that you have created me to have? How can I step fully into my role as a kingdom warrior, which we are all given as children of of God, that we have that kingdom warrior that we are to take ground for the kingdom how can I do that? And how does it look like for me based on what the Lord has helped me overcome based on what my spiritual giftings are based on the season even of life that I have, because it can look different at different seasons of life. And I love that idea, especially because you know, you talk about being a mother of daughters. I'm a mother of a son. And so there are some things in the world that I see that women are trying to, in their, in their attempt to become who they are without the book, Mm -hmm. without the truth, they're doing it on the necks of men. Mm -hmm. And so I have concern like for my son growing up and that, but I love what you said. When we just focus on ourselves being fully who we are, we create space for our other brothers and sisters in Christ to be fully who they are, because it's not a comparison. It's not a race. It's not who's getting to the the top first. It is how can I be used? And I just want to encourage the listener that when you think of yourself as a warrior, When you're struggling, when you're going through the valley season, I want you to remember that you are a warrior, Mm -hmm. that you are equipped with the armor of God, that in Christ you have the victory. And it is not an accident that a lot of women play the role of prayer warrior, Mm -hmm. that a lot of women have the prayer closet, and that's how we go to battle. And that is the most effective way to go to battle. When you pray to cover your family, when you pray to cover your husband when you when you pray all those things over your household you are being that warrior of eden a hundred percent i mean 
when you think about it, women are tenacious and they stick with people and they care. And like, there are some things that feel really uniquely feminine. And I, there's a whole chapter, a couple of chapters, just to highlight that like one chapter is called, um, it's about healing my Paul grudge because I thought to myself, there were some verses that I just didn't, I didn't understand it. So I didn't like them about what Paul wrote. And it was like, what does those, what do those actually mean? And, and I saw the activities of Paul where he was giving responsibility and authority to women. I was reading these verses. What does that really mean? And, and well, there all kinds of passages like that, where, where you just, you just want to sit with them and say, like I, I say to some of my friends, when I finished explaining this, I hope it feels like an old shoe that fits perfectly. I don't want this. I want this to feel like, oh, this is actually, this is how I was made. This makes a lot of sense. We like, this is how we uniquely made it. And, and probably the most controversial thing that I wrote was this one day when I was getting ready to give a message on mother's day somewhere. And I was talking about the qualities of how God made women as, as mothers, you know, we're nurturing and we're comforting and we're life-giving. And I was listing all those. And I thought if I'm made in the image of God, then those qualities have to be in God. I didn't come from something else. I came from him. Yeah. But we think of God as a man because Jesus came as a man and because we pray our father who art in heaven. And, and so that can subtly send a message that, that God is masculine and women are like other, but truthfully, I mean, I, Again, I'm not trying to feminize God. I'm just saying all the things we like about women, specifically uniquely feminine things, came from God. And he he loves those parts about us and he wants us to exercise them. We don't have to squelch them. We don't have to excuse Mm -hmm. them. We don't have to let anybody judge or shame us when we act specifically feminine. This is how God made us and he made us in his image. And so those are good things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, lots of discussions to be had. I hope your listeners have good conversations in the aftermath. Yes, I love that. And I hope that they they search out deeper meaning. And and you know what, friends, like this is an example of having to know the word. Like when Beth is talking about, you know, sitting with some of the Paul things that Paul said and some of the things that have been used to keep women out of certain spaces. Context is so important. And if you don't know context, if you don't know your Bible, then you are going to be misled to believe different things about who you are. And the measure of truth is the full word of God, not one or two scriptures taken out of cultural and historical context. Amen. And that, and, and it's not something that can be understood or solved in a Twitter post like it's a pretty complex conversation and there's lots of pieces to it and that I think that's just the invitation is to sit in it to wrestle with it to get good counsel in it to seek the Lord in it and then to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you amazing so where can women get their hands on your book it is coming out January 23rd which is just around the corner where can they find it? Where can they find you? Give us all the details and I'll Absolutely. put them in the show notes too. Absolutely. It's available for pre-order um, and then it'll be available wherever books are sold. And it's also, um, I read the book for Audible so you can hear um, it on Audible or you can watch 
you know, read it um, in a paperback or on your Kindle. And then actually it's hardback. And then um, you can find me a couple of different places on all the social media platforms underneath my name, Beth Guckenberger. And um, also on the website that I lead called Reckless Faith. Reckless Faith. Beautiful. Thank you so much for being here. Um, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you wrestling with these big topics and inviting us into conversation with them. So everyone check out Warrior of Eden, how curiosity and questions lead to understanding God's call for women and be encouraged to be all who God has made you to be. Thank Mm. you. Thanks for having me today. Thanks for joining me today. I hope we're already friends on social media, but if we're not, come find me on Instagram at Carla Arges or at Affirming Truth. Can't wait to see you back here next week. Bye, friends.